You're listening to Superflexology, a Superflex-focused fantasy football podcast with your hosts, Sean Bauer and Mitch Sorensen. Welcome to episode 32 of the Superflexology Fantasy Football Show, a proud member of the Full-Time Fantasy Network. I'm your host, John Bauer. You can find me on Twitter, at The Bauer Club. As always, I am joined by Mitch Sorensen. That's at DinoMC on Twitter. What's going on, Mitch? Hey, what's going on, guys? Is that your one-liner for the night? That's the (laughs) one-liner. Well, I'm excited to see what Dan has. And we are also joined by Dan. That's at LC underscore Dean. What's up, Dan? I just wanted to share tonight. There's only three weeks left of DFS for me before I go 100% dynasty like you maniacs. All right. So I'm I'm trying to catch up with you guys here. I'm I'm sad and happy at the same time. I did a few lineups over the weekend, and I will tell you, it's so much more relaxing not having to worry about setting all of the dynasty lineups. I, I know that's one reason that people really push for best ball, but man, it's it was such a relaxing weekend even knowing i was getting slaughtered in dfs i don't know what i do without the stress though that's true i'm not gonna say it was boring because it wasn't but it was stress-free so before we get into tonight's show i would be upset if we did not mention the tyler boyd jersey giveaway we've been blasting on twitter instagram we've been telling league mates we are giving away an autographed tyler boyd jersey All you have to do is leave a five-star review on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, however you're listening to the show. Leave a five-star review. Send us a screenshot on Twitter or Instagram at Superflexology. Last week, we discussed players that we wanted to avoid in startups. And tonight, and it really got me thinking because last week, Dan, he was talking about Corey Davis and Sammy Watkins. So at first, I wanted to say, let's talk about players that appear to be a buy low, but we want to avoid. But instead, I wanted to get away from that just a little bit. So we're looking at startup trap plays. For one reason or another, these are guys that look to be good acquisitions in startups but for one reason or another we're staying away from them and mitch we're going to start with you who is your startup trap play so it's going to be chris godwin and like we said last week this isn't someone that i don't like i love chris godwin and i love him on my teams but the problem is the startup price right now his adp is about wide receiver five he's gone as high as wide receiver three in my last two startup drafts The big thing with that is I think it's a lot of what happened with Juju last year. Godwin's 24, so he's really young, so he gets that little bit of bump that we always give him in Dynasty Leagues. And he was in a really pass-happy offense, kind of like what Juju was coming out of in 2018. But what happened with the Bucs is they passed for 630 times last season, which was the fourth most in the NFL. And it kind of created the perfect storm for those pass catchers to absolutely eat. Winston going out and having 35 turnovers by himself it just gives those pass catchers that many more opportunities even if it's not garbage time stats it's giving them they're gonna have to play catch up at that point that's always gonna help out the wide receivers and when you're taking a wide receiver in the top five i want to know that he is you know the dog on that team he is going to be the one to carry them and godwin really isn't that guy in the buccaneers and i'm not saying evans is one and godwin is two it's just godwin only averaged a 22% target share this year. And when you're looking at guys like Hopkins and Adams, Adams had a 30% target share. That is absolutely huge if you're going to pick a guy in the top five. And I mean, there's a lot more stats I could throw at you about why it was more of an outlier year than what's going to happen every year with him. Even if you look into his air yards, his air yards were pretty low as well. And just when you're going to pick Godwin at wide receiver three, you're not giving yourself any room. He's only going to go up to wide receiver one at best. And it's just not something that I see him doing on a year in year out basis. 
at what point in the draft are you willing to take Chris Godwin? It's going to be after most because I don't see a huge difference between him and let's say some Galladay. I think him and Galladay are pretty comparable as far as their target share. They play with pretty good quarterbacks, but I just don't see Tampa Bay turning the ball over 40 times next year. And so allowing Godwin to get that many targets again. Dan, what are your thoughts here? You know, as we listen to Mitch and his trap plays, a lot of what we're doing in Dynasty is projecting. So when we look at Chris Godwin in Tampa Bay, we all believe they're going to improve their running game and probably in the draft. We know, you know, I think it's a well-coached team that they did what they had to do last year to compete. But I think is that running game retires? And we had breaking news tonight that Luke Keekley retired, you know, so maybe he could run against like a division opponent twice a year a little bit more. But they know Jameis Winston in 30 interceptions is not a formula for winning. So I think you get a little bit more balance with a run game and I think that results in regression for Evans and Godwin to some degree at least at a point where you're not looking at them in the top five what are you guys thoughts on the defense we've seen some improvements they looked pretty solid against the run still absolutely horrendous against the pass but that also has to be concerned the points they were giving up obviously it the game script was positive for this offense from a passing perspective that has to be a concern moving forward as well I would think Yeah, in the second half of the year, Tampa Bay even improved that secondary. So I think once they got their healthy players back, and it's just going to get better. There's no way you're going to be dead last a few years in a row, especially when it was that bad that early in the season. So Mitch, is your issue more with him being priced at wide receiver five, or are you more likely to look for a running back or quarterback? And of course, we're talking about startups here, only super flex or two quarterback leagues. We're not discussing one quarterback leagues. So is that the route you want to go? Or is it strictly just because of his price right now? It's hard because once you get past Hill, Hopkins, Adams, and Michael Thomas. I think there is just a slug of guys that are really close together that are going late second to mid third. And you could grab any of those guys and be okay. But the running backs you're going to miss on if you take one of those wide receivers over them, it's going to really hurt your team, I think. But there's about 10 running backs that I take before Godwin's and Evans. Yeah, I completely agree with Dan there. And we've talked about this too. I don't know if wide receiver has ever been this deep. Chris Godwin, absolutely fantastic 2019. And I would be very surprised, honestly, if he wasn't a top 12 wide receiver in 2020. But is that wide receiver 12 really giving you much more than wide receiver 18, 20, 24? Yeah, obviously it's going to give you an uptick, but I don't think the advantage to having Chris Godwin over those types of wide receivers is really going to benefit you the way one of those high-end running backs. And Dan, I know you you build a lot of your teams this way. You love to attack the running back heavy approach and you like to have a Zeke or a McCaffrey. And that worked out really well for you here in 2019. And I think that's kind of that's how it's going to look in 2020 as well. You're going to want to attack the early running backs. You're going to want to have those strong quarterbacks. And if you're taking a Chris Godwin that early or any wide receiver right in that range, like we talked about, if you have to go Amari Cooper wide receiver five, Tyreek Hill, whoever it is there, I don't know if they really give you the advantage, but I want to play devil's advocate for a second. You look at Chris Godwin here in 2019. He was first in the NFL in yards after catch. While that's fantastic, that is not a sticky statistic. And what I mean by that, it's something that we can't look at and say, this is going to be repeated year after year. Yards after catch, Juju was at the top of the league in 2018 with yards after catch. It's something that's very hard to predict and project, and we shouldn't be looking at things like that, even though obviously it was absolutely incredible here in 2019 for Chris Godwin. Yards per route run, while yards after catch isn't really, you can't predict that, 
Yards per route run is pretty consistent. He was at 2.61, which was ninth. I would expect something similar here in 2020. But like we talked about, are they going to throw as many times as they did? Are they going to fall behind like they did? If Jameis Winston isn't there in 2020, what does this offense look like? It probably doesn't include 30 interceptions, and you touched that on yourself, Mitch. But a 72% catch rate, that's sixth in the NFL. One thing that people talk about with everybody, but Chris Godwin specifically, well, we're going to see touchdown regression. There's a few ways that you can look at regression. We talked about it last offseason when we had JJ on the show, Mitch, and we're going to talk about it in a few episodes later on in this offseason. But you can look at regression a few ways. And the two that I look at, it's red zone usage, and it's based on total yards. So if you have X amount of yards based on the averages in the league, this is how many touchdowns you can expect. He had nine actual touchdowns, and based on his 1,333 receiving yards, his expected value was actually 8.3. So very similar to what he actually ended up with. Red zone usage, he should have had 3.9 red zone touchdowns, he ended up with four. So I don't know if we're going to see a decline in his productivity, but I do think we see a decline in his overall usage. And the way this offense comes out here in 2020, and we're going to have a few shows here coming up as well about contracts. And one of the big ones, it's Jameis Winston, guys. This offense, yes, he threw the 30 interceptions, but this offense, from a fantasy perspective, they thrive off of him being the gunslinger that he is. So I kind of like this one as a trap play. But like we said, we're looking at current startups. I have a few shares of Chris Godwin throughout my dynasty leagues. I am absolutely thrilled about it. Am I looking to sell him? Sure. I'm looking to sell everybody price dependent. Mitch, right? There you go. There's one, right? Mitch Mitch jumps on me every single time I say (laughs) price dependent. So I had to get at least one in here. But yeah, I I could ramble on and on here, but I think that's going to be the big issue. Do I still think he's a top 12 receiver in 2020 moving forward? Absolutely. It'd be crazy to drop him that far. I just don't think that he gives you much of an advantage because wide receiver is so deep right now. Any other thoughts there on Chris Godwin before we move on, guys? No, I think we pretty much covered all of them. Dan, you don't you don't want to yell at us, argue with us a little bit? No, Seems like you. you're, pre- you're pretty agreeable there. Love Godwin. You know, the yards after catch speak to his athleticism. I just don't see the volume be there. Is that I don't think they want Jameis Winston throwing 30 interceptions again, and I don't think they want to run Godwin and Evans into the ground again. So great guy to have, but a trap play like Mitch said. We might be a little more argumentative here, or let's say disagreeable. You know, we would never want to argue with each other. This is a family show here, guys. But Dan, over to you. Who is your 2020 startup trap play that you want to tell the listeners about? I wanted to pick a tricky one here tonight, and I went to the tight end position. You know, it seems to be evolving in fantasy football. You know, a lot of these different dynasty startups that we're looking at, you know, premium scoring for tight ends is a hot topic. Looking at two tight end leagues. If we go back to the Scott Fishbowl 9 with its unique scoring, Travis Kelsey was a top seven play. So for my trap play, I chose to go with Darren Waller tonight, and, and hopefully I stay hot. You know, last week I was talking about Corey Davis and Sammy Watkins, and it paid off avoiding them in DFS, especially Davis. But with Darren Waller, you know, similar to Chris Godwin, you know, I I will put a disclaimer out there. I like Darren Waller. I'm just putting a little, like, sticking a warning label on him to make him my trap play. He's going in the sixth round. You know, I think of him more as either 
seventh, eighth round, maybe even fading a bit and going Hunter Henry, Hawkinson, Fant, dare I say O.J. Howard, like we mentioned last week. You know, you got Irv Smith of Rudolph for tires, or to even punt tight end and look at, a, you know, Gasecki. John who's flashing here in the postseason. I know we've all talked about Ian Thomas at some point or another. So, again, round six for me for Darren Waller. I'm just not quite there when you could be passing up a very stud receiver with breakout potential, as we talked about. Mitch mentioned that cluster of receivers are there. I know we're going to touch on rookies later. There's an awesome receiving class coming out, so that depth at wide receiver is going to be even deeper. So I don't want to pass it and miss on that, okay? I broke Darren Waller down into pros and cons here, John, and obviously you loaded me up with a, a lot of pros in our, our show notes tonight. and A couple hours touch. worth of pros, yes. Do you always tell us your back is sore, so I, I believe there was a couple <laughs> hours there. You're, you're, you're pumping the stats for us. Um, he's a good football player. You know, he ranks seventh in pro football focus in, in their grades, especially as a receiver, which is what we want in fantasy football. The volumes there, 117 targets last year, which was third amongst tight ends. 90 receptions, 1146 yards. That was both second for tight ends. These are stats we love, right? Fourth in air yards, durable, he's healthy, all, all those good signs. But when we look at when he's going in these startup drafts, if you fall into that trap, and that's where I'm saying he's a trap play, don't don't fall in love with all those pros and pick him too early. The cons, I could see the Raiders re- relying on him less next year. You know, maybe you get a healthy Tyrell Williams, you get a set, second year of Hunter Renfro, a second year of Foster Moreau. I wouldn't be shocked if they drafted a, a wide receiver one or signed a big free agent to replace Antonio Brown, you know, in the preseason that's where they were looking to build their offense around and then Waller turns 28 we're in September when we're talking dynasty here 28 you're starting to lose your lust a little bit he got his paycheck this year they already gave him his contract so he's not incentivized there and uh that that makes Darren Waller a trap play for me John so your big issue here and this is kind of what I picked up on. It's not so much the tight end eight price tag, which is his current ADP. You would just be looking to go a different direction in the draft at that point. Like you talked about, maybe wide receiver, correct? Yeah, when I'm building my dynasty roster, you know, obviously I'm looking for value. And if he's going, you know, if we're looking at that sixth round and I still see Hunter Henry available and Hawkinson and Fant and all these young upcoming tight ends, and I'm looking at comparable wide receivers that have number one upside, I'm not taking Darren Waller again, especially at age you know, turning 28 and the Raiders offense evolving, I could see them using him less in the volume, not quite being there. Now, again, if, if it's one of those drafts where he does slide a little bit to around eight, love the talent. I will take Darren Waller because, you know, again, you don't want to get stuck with a, a bad tight end situation either. Or if you do what we've been preaching since we started the show back in April, if you're able to trade back in your startup and you're able to accumulate those additional third, fourth, fifth, sixth round picks, then maybe, Dan, maybe you'd be willing to take Darren Waller because you're still able to take those wide receivers that you mentioned. But even with the low touchdowns here in 2019, which it looks like we should be able to expect a slight improvement depending on the red zone usage, but based on yardage, he should have had six touchdowns. He had three. So I do think we see some positive regression, the high yards per route run, the high yards after catch, which obviously I already talked about being something that we can't count on being repeated, but the yards per route run we can. So while they might 
not target him as much. I find it very hard to believe that he's not going to be reliable as a tight end eight. And yes, he's going to be 28 years old. And according to dynasty owners, he has one foot in the grave already, but he, this is the first year he really played. He had off the field issues, multiple suspensions. So it's, it's a good story from that regard. It's nice bounce back. You know, he was able to redeem himself, get a second, well, I guess a third chance here, but I, I don't know, even with the emergence of Foster Moreau in the red zone and getting his five touchdowns, I love Darren Waller and Dan, you're not the first person I've heard say that he's either a fade or a trap play or however you want to phrase it. There are a lot of people on board with that and people have him as a sell this off season. If enough people have somebody as a sell, you better believe I'm going to start poking around in my dynasty leagues and seeing if I can buy at a reasonable price. Very, we'll go back to it price dependent but I, I don't know I I like Darren Waller a lot and if he's going that wide or t- wide receiver if he's going that tight end five six range maybe a little too early for me there but if you're looking to fade the tight end position a little bit and I'm going to waver here because I do that from time to time but if you are looking to fade it a little bit you probably could get a Noah fan or a Hawkinson or I don't know if I'm going to go with OJ Howard again, but you're probably going to be able to get them a little bit later. We did have one draft where Noah Fant actually went before Darren Waller and I was able to get Darren Waller at tight end 10. So that was an absolute smash for me. And I, you know, I didn't even think twice about it, but Mitch, what are your thoughts here? So I'm obviously pro Waller, Dan, he's looking to go other directions at that point in the draft. Are you okay taking Darren Waller where he's going and at tight end eight, or are you looking to go another direction as well? I'm definitely going a different direction. Oh, come on. So he's not even a trap for me. I think he's just a complete sell at this point. Foster Moreau is, was a rookie this year, but I think he's going to end up being the best tight end on that team within two years. And so that's a pretty big thing to where I'm going to step back from Waller at that point. And honestly... If I'm doing a startup and I was able to pick between Ian Thomas and Darren Waller, you know, not looking at the five round ADP difference, but just looking who I like more going forward, I'd rather have Ian Thomas. So if you have Darren Waller in any of the leagues where I have Ian Thomas, do you want to do one for one swap? Sure. If you add a little bit to it. (laughs) (laughs) A little bit. Yeah. A couple. Yeah. But you get what I mean, right? Like I like Waller, but I think he is price is a little bit jumped up because he was the only one of the only fantasy assets that they had to even throw to this year because like Dan said, Tyrell was injured for most of the year and Renfro didn't come off until like the last five or six games and they only had Jacobs and Jacobs doesn't catch catch any passes. And so Waller was the only show there for a while. And that's not going to be the case going into next year, especially with all the draft capital that the Oakland Raiders have. And I just don't see any reason to get him over anybody that's in his range between Hunter Henry, Hawkinson, Fant, you know, I already mentioned Ian Thomas, but yeah. With him being the only really reliable pass catcher they had for most of 2019, the defenses were able to key in a little bit. I think that's one reason that we saw Foster Moreau have that huge red zone upside. He was left wide open a lot of the time. So if they're able to add pieces to that offense around him, draw some attention. And I think that's one reason that Hunter Renfro really popped because Darren Waller was getting that attention. Yes, his target share is going to go down, but you have to believe that the separation and the cushion and the improvement in quality of targets potentially, hopefully Derek Carr straightens some things out or hell, maybe they go a different direction at quarterback. But I, I would like to think that adding additional options in that passing game would open things up for Darren Waller. I mean, I'm not saying he's Travis Kelsey, but the fact that he's about to be 28 in September, very little tread on the tires, the career trajectory, it looks a lot like Travis Kelsey. He didn't really get going until he was 26. And yeah, the story's a 
bit different. It wasn't due to drugs, but, <laughs> you know, a little tread on the tires at this point in their career. I could see Darren Waller being a low tier two, high tier three tight end for the next four years. But again, oh, he's going to be 28. He's basically dead. I don't know, guys. It's not even you know the age. He's got a very small sample size of production for us to look at. We're, we're really going off one season here. And, you know, six out of his 16 weeks, he was nine points or less scoring in, in regular PPR. And again, you have three mock drafts that I looked at out of six. He's going in that sixth round. You know, there's always that one guy or one gal that's just jumping on him really early. And it, I mean, John, you tell me you're in that sixth round. You've got someone very enticing there at wide receiver that could be a potential wide receiver one. Are you going to take that wide receiver one? Or are you that confident in, in Waller to maintain and continue to have a few more good years here's the issue i was going back through the startups that i've done so far and i've done four and they're all a little bit different and we'd like to include different settings and we really mitch and i we've grown to love the tight end premium whether it's having to start two tight ends or having the 1.5 to 2 ppr for tight ends so the data that i've gone off of from what i've actually taken part in it's a little skewed but you know in those formats you're looking to get the tight end early you're looking to get that advantage so if we're looking at one PPR, let's say it's up against you know, Darren Waller, Tyler Boyd, or maybe Calvin Ridley's still there in super flex drafts. Maybe I do look to pivot, but one of the reasons could be maybe I got a tight end early. Maybe I went George Kittle in that draft. I have found that I much prefer to have the tight end position locked down, and I would much rather take a Darren Waller. And again, it all depends on where your draft picks are. Were you able to get those extra picks in those middle rounds? But I don't know. I, I still think I would take Darren Waller. I just took him a, in one of my drafts that's currently going on. I took him in a, like, again, it was tight end 10. So I got a little bit of a discount in my opinion. But yeah, I, I am still on board with him. I don't know if that answers your question, Dan. I kind of went full circle, I think. <laughs> Fair answer. Fair answer. <laughs> All right. Before I go on my rant here, Mitch, do you have anything else on Darren Waller? J- I was just, just going to bring up a small counter to your point to where his he could get improved targets gets if they add in more skill position players but like you mentioned already he had that 77 percent catch rate that's not going up any there he's not going to go up to 80 percent i mean he's not michael thomas like you have listed here he was number one in contested catch rate as well at 58 percent that's not going to go any higher than what it is now so his targets aren't going to improve at all if anything if they bring in more skill position players his targets themselves are just going to go down because he's not going to get that big market share that he had this year my own notes came back to bite me in the ass. I didn't even think you read my notes, Mitch, to be honest with you, but I'm very glad that you did. But yeah, I don't even think I actually mentioned that, but number one in contested catch rate at 58%, 77% overall catch rate. Yeah, maybe that's not going to go up and that's a very valid point. Maybe I should read my own notes here. But I, I don't know. I'm I'm still on board, guys. And I hopefully enough people are going to share your sentiment and they're going to say he's a sell. And I'm going to be like the vulture that I am. I'm going to go out there. I'm going to make offers and see what I can make happen here. So Chris Godwin, a trap play for Mitch. Darren Waller, trap play for Dan. Now, for me, and I, I ran this by you guys because I knew if I didn't, you guys would have complained because it's not a player. So all the startups that we've taken part in, the 2020 rookie picks are included. I have to catch my breath here, guys. I feel it's going to be a big ramble session here. But my trap play for startups is the 101. So we're looking at the 2020 picks that are included in the startup draft. And we have seen this go super early. People are excited about this draft class and rightfully so. It looks fantastic. Even though a few guys, they've already said they're going back to school and they're not going to be coming out till 2021. It's still a really strong, especially first round from top to bottom. Before I get into it, 
Mitch, where are you willing to take the 101 in startups? Let's assume it's a 12-team super flex. Okay, if it's 12-team, it's probably going to be early third, and it's really going to depend on if all the running backs and quarterbacks they like are gone, because we've already went over the wide receivers. You know, I'm not too big on taking one of those very high this year, but if the running backs and quarterbacks go early, I'm okay with an early third. Okay. And then if the wide receivers go early, obviously you're, you're going to fade that a little bit. Yeah. It's going to push it down a little bit because I'll like the running backs and quarterbacks that are still left. So maybe mid to late third at that point. I think that's fair. Dan, what are your thoughts here? Are you kind of on board there with Mitch? I'm in the same ballpark, you know, still in evaluation mode here, you know, you know, who's going to be that first pick and little recency bias over, you know, the national championship game just happening. But right now I'm landing somewhere between the middle of the second to the middle of the third. Again, evaluating where I think that talent ranks. And, uh, you know, Mitch makes a great point. You know, when those quarterback rushes hit, sometimes you have to be ready for them. That could change things. Before I started looking into it and really diving in, in my mind, I thought quick ballpark, middle of the third, end of the third, somewhere in that range. Once I started going through the players, which we're going to do, my patented rapid fire that you guys just absolutely love, you can't get enough of, you guys taking part and then you guys, the listeners. But after diving in and looking at those players in different situations, I actually bumped it up a little bit. So I'm okay taking the 101 at the end of the second. So in one of my drafts personally, it was a 14-team super flex, so a little bit different from the 12-team approach, but it was a 14-team super flex, middle of the second. I took the 101, and based on how the draft was going, I kind of regretted it. So I eventually ended up trading it, surprise, surprise, but I was able to get Amari Cooper and what would have been Christian Kirk. So for that return, I absolutely loved it, and that just shows you how valuable these picks are but a few things with the 101 people have said and you see it on twitter you see other people talking about it well the value of these draft picks it's going to increase as the rookie drafts approach so because of that I'm okay taking these picks a little bit earlier. If it's an existing league, you better believe those rookie picks are going to rise in value and you better hang on to them. If you're looking to move those picks right now, you're making a mistake and you're doing yourself a disservice. But if you're taking that 101 and you're reaching early in the second round or even end of the first, that pick's not going to rise in value because the assets that you chose to pass on. So while it might rise in value in existing leagues, let's say you do a startup and you take 101 at the 112, okay? So you passed on a lot of guys there that in existing leagues, even when the rookie drafts approach, you wouldn't be able to get that player in a one-for-one swap. And we're going to talk about the guys later that we're willing to trade in a one-for-one swap. Well, not trade, that we would take the 101 over because we're speaking strictly of new startups. Once you reach for that 101, you're not going to see the value. So after looking at everything, like I said, the absolute earliest I would take it is end of the second in a 12-team super flex. And I know, John, Ezekiel Elliott, Saquon Barkley, they were the 101. They were going in the first round of startups. Look at what they've done. And my gamble paid off. Hell, going into 2018, there were people that took Saquon Barkley with a top four dynasty startup pick. And yes, it paid off tremendously. But I don't know about you guys. I don't think there's a Zeke or a Saquon Barkley in this class. I think we look at the running backs here and we go Swift, Taylor, Etienne, Dobbins, Acres, CEH over there in LSU. And those are six guys, depending on the landing spot. You could make a case for any of them to be the first running back in this class. And we're already seeing it on Twitter, right? We're seeing everybody talk up player A over player B and vice versa. So depending on landing spots, this could get completely 
turn backwards. So we're talking about 12-team Superflex. The value for me is going to be in that 102 to 107 range. I absolutely love taking these draft picks in the startup, but let's say DeAndre Swift goes to, and I'm just going to arbitrarily pick Miami, and Jonathan Taylor goes to a Washington, let's say, and then you have J.K. Dobbins go to Tampa, you have Cam Akers go to Kansas City, and those two, Tampa Bay and Kansas City, seem to be the prime locations that people are looking at for these rookie running backs to land, right? These are the ideal situations. What do you do in that situation? If those running backs went to those landing spots, all the values get flipped upside down, and you're going to have four different drafts, four different players go as the first running back overall. So I, I just think the value is there with these 102 to 107 range. That's not even including Jerry Judy and CeeDee Lamb, Tua and Joe Burrow. I just want to caution the listeners again, do not reach on that 101 especially if you put yourself in a situation where you weren't able to land quarterbacks, you have no choice but to take Joe Burrow. Or if you prefer Tua, that's possible too. But if you take that 101 at the end of the first, beginning of the second, where do you have Burrow or Tua? Quarterback five, quarterback six. And I think that's way too early. Maybe the nine, 10, 11 range, possibly. But if you're going to reach on the 101 and you put yourself in a situation where you need a quarterback and you have to go Burrow or Tua in the rookie draft, you're at a huge disadvantage because you lost out on tremendous value. Before we get into the rapid fire portion here, I want to talk about a 14 and 16 team league real quick, which a lot of people, a lot of our listeners, they take part in. So if you're in a 14 or 16 team super flex league and you take that 101, it's only Burrow, I think, or two. Again, you're going to go quarterback with that 101, but you look at what are you shaking your head at, Mitch? No, see, I kind of disagree. Like, I love Burrow, and I think he's going to be an absolute stud. But we're also discounting what could happen during the Combine. What if Swift goes in there, runs a low 4-4, and absolutely blows up the Combine? He blows up the Combine, goes in the first round, say just goes to Miami like what you referenced. (laughs) Him going to Miami in a good back... In it, there's 20 other places he could go in that situation be completely fine. I think Swift still has a very good chance of being the 101, even in 14-team leagues, because we know... As we've seen in these startup drafts, after you get past Mixon as far as running backs, those running backs, I mean, they get ugly really, really quick. And again, it really does depend on how the rest of the draft plays out with the direction you're going to go once the rookie draft approaches. But if you're in a 14 or 16 team league, and let's say you're at the turn and in the first round you take, I don't know, I'm just going to say Mike Evans, and you take 101 in the second round, you don't get a pick again until it comes all the way back around to you. And if a quarterback run hits, yeah, Swift might show out at the combine, but you kind of put yourself in a precarious situation and you have to go quarterback with your 101 then because you didn't, you didn't make a move to put yourself in a good situation. That's what I'm saying. And that's the situation where I'm looking at it and saying that Burrow is going to be the 101. Where does evaluation come into it, John? You know, if we so we all, let's say Burrow is the 101 based on what we know. I was looking at him before. I, I says maybe as high as a mid second. You're saying, you know, late second as early as you go. Am I falling into that trap going after him early? Now, I'm not sure how high I'm on him yet I see the talent I was impressed in that LSU game there's this little part of me that's just kind of rubbed the wrong way he reminds me a little bit of like a Baker Mayfield or Jay Cutler with his attitude I think he's very arrogant in the interviews that I've saw so uh, Dan these days that's called swagger that's called swagger man (laughs) 
I don't know, man. Baker Swagger doesn't seem to be getting him too far. <laughs> Neither did Jay Cutler's when things go bad. So, you know, and plus if he goes to the Bengals, you know, the Bengals could mess anything up. So there's no guarantees there as well. But in the, in the flip side, I'm evaluating these quarterbacks that are available. And, you know, after about eight, nine quarterbacks in, I'd rather maybe the upside than, you know, just some of those guys that, you know, they might have a decent year, but you can't trade them if your life depended on it. So, you know, what's a trap to you, John? Where, where, where does that fall into the trap range? So this is – that's why I love Superflex and two quarterback leagues because if this – if we're talking strictly one quarterback, we're talking about one of the running backs, right? Even though Jerry, Judy, and C.D. Lamb, fantastic players in their own right, but people love those running backs to come in and produce year one, especially if they land in a great situation. So when we look at this strictly from a Superflex or two quarterback perspective, I think you really have to pay attention to the way your startup draft is going. If your quarterbacks are flying off the board and you see seven, eight, nine quarterbacks go before you're in that situation where you might take 101. I'm okay with that because now you open yourself up. You can get Burrow or Tua, whoever you prefer. So, you know, that's a discussion for a different time. But then you still are possibly able to take a DeAndre Swift if he lands in a prime spot or if he has a fantastic combine. But like you said, Dan, you're probably choosing Burrow at that point over a guy like Jared Goff or Matt Ryan. So those are guys, they're really difficult to trade. I've talked about it in previous shows. Those are the guys, they're just not the sexy picks. You look at the the draft picks, you look at some of these young players, they're the more attractive dynasty buys. And my long-winded answer here, you have to look at the way you're draft is going if only four quarterbacks have gone off the board i think it, it is a trap there to go 101 i think there's going to be other options there that i would prefer russ wilson's probably available still at that point and again that's another guy that i don't think we see him from the dynasty perspective as a sexy pick because while he still produces we always make an excuse to fade him on our draft boards but does that kind of answer your question it does. Following the draft's very important, you know, and I guess, you know, if there's a quarterback run, I might be okay in the middle of the second round if I want to pass on, you know, the Goffs, the Matty Ryans, those guys that you just get stuck with. But if there's not that quarterback run, I think you're saying for our listeners to be careful not to fall into that trap and hop on that next best toy too early. Yeah, and there's going to be, once we start going through this rapid fire, there are some running backs that I'm already seeing people on Twitter say, I would absolutely take the 101 over them, and we're going to dive into it because I completely disagree with that. But I just think there's going to be such a small difference in overall value from that 102 to 107 range, especially depending on where these running backs go. So all I'm saying is maybe look to attack the 104, 105, 106, rather than have to reach for that 101, because in most drafts, you're going to have to reach. Now, again, just like Mitch, you said you love Chris Godwin, Dan, you're okay with Darren Waller, but it's more the price and the other options available at that time. Same with the 101 for me. I would love to acquire this in that wheelhouse of late second, early third, depending on how the draft is going. But if I have to reach for it, I'm not going to. And that's what I did in my draft. And then I turned around and traded it. And I picked up some value because I like to get those extra middle round picks. But just a cautionary tale. Be very careful. I know it's panned out in the past with players like Zeke and Barkley. But I don't know if that's necessarily going to happen this year with the top seven or eight guys, like I've said over and over again. Let's get into the rapid fire. So the 101 rapid fire, guys. Now, I have a list of players here. I have two lists of players because I love my list and I love discussing a thousand players on every show. But the first list, these are guys that I don't think anybody's going to argue about. We're not taking the 101 over any of these guys. Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson, CMC, Barkley, Zeke, 
Michael Thomas, Hopkins, or Adams? Do you guys disagree with any of that? I completely agree, but you took the 101 over Adams in the league. But I then Uh-oh. traded it. That's see, no, no, no. That is that. That's a great point. I'm really glad you brought that up because that is kind of where I. That's why I wanted to talk about this because I did it myself. And God knows, people that are in leagues with me, you guys know very well. I make as many mistakes, if not more, as the next guy. So I did that. But then I picked up value because I, and that's when I got the Amari Cooper and Christian, what would have been Christian Kirk, but I ended up trading that pick anyway, because God knows I have to leave a draft with at least a hundred trades made. But yeah, so I did take the one one over Devonte Adams, realized my mistake. I hated that app. As soon as I did it, the only reason I did it is because I've never taken the one Oh one in a startup draft. I've never done it. So I was like, eh, I'm going to do it. But with that said, let's talk about these players, guys. I'm going to name a player, Dan, it's going to be a yes or no from you. And then, Mitch, for every player, you'll go second, just to keep this in somewhat of a a semblance of order here. Russell Wilson, will you take the 101 over Russell Wilson, Dan? No. No. I will not as well. Kyler Murray? No. Nope. No for me as well. Dak? Dan, you don't even have to answer that. (laughs) Skip. No. No. (laughs) Nope. No, I'm not there either. All right, now it's pregnant a little interesting. Aaron Rodgers? Age of discrimination, yes. Nope. I will take the 101. Mitch, you know, it's so hard to move Aaron Rodgers. If you take him in a startup this year, if you take him in a startup this year, you're stuck with him. Yeah, he could die on your team and he could be a quarterback. You could start each week and not have to worry about it. I don't want these dying assets on my team. (laughs) If you are trying to win now and you need the money, Mitch has got a point. But otherwise, JB, I'm with you all the way. Well, that's only because Mitch is in the process of moving and buying the house. So he needs to win this year. I do. I I need a lot of wins this year. (laughs) I, I have a few more quarterbacks here before we get to the running backs. Carson Wentz. Yes. Yes. No, I I'm taking Carson Wentz there. Now this is where it gets interesting and I'm going to be very upset with myself. Josh Allen. Yes. Yes. It's that's right where it hits for me. So I'll say yes. I will also take the one Oh one. I think his price, I love when I was able to get him at quarterback 20, but now he's approaching quarterback 10. I'm going to take the one Oh one at this point in time over Josh Allen, Baker Mayfield. I haven't used the dysfunctional buzzword tonight. So any Browns or Jets, yes. Yes to all the rest of the quarterbacks for me. We'll make it that easy. Same. All right. I also will take the 101 over Baker. I had Jared Goff. I had Matt Ryan and I had Sam Darnold. So we're going to take the 101 over all of those quarterbacks. So strictly from a quarterback perspective, assuming you go, and again, if it's Tua or Joe Burrow, whoever you prefer, there are three, four, five, six, seven. So I would take the 101 right now as quarterback eight. I think we're all quarterback eight because Mitch, you had Rogers and then, yeah. So I, I think we quarterback eight, but again, you go with one Oh one, you have options. You could still go other directions, but all right. Running backs, Dalvin cook. No, no, nope. Alvin Kamara. No, no, nope. Nick Chubb. Despite the dysfunction. No, no, no for me as well. Joe Mixon. No, nope. No. And see, this is interesting because a lot of the the talk I'm seeing on Twitter, people, they're starting to fade these running backs. And these are still young backs. Yeah. But it's it's like we're at the point now, oh, you're three years into your career. It's time to start fading you. So is that where we are now as a dynasty community? It's like once you start approaching that last year of your rookie deal, are we just fading you and writing you off at this point? I don't know. I don't think that's a winning strategy, personally. I don't, what I, are your thoughts, guys? 
I completely agree. I think this is a time where you zig instead of zagging with everybody else. Everyone's heard for the last four years, all running backs suck. You can put anybody in the backfield and you'll be completely fine. But I actually saw a really funny comment. I think it was from a Steelers fan. They were talking about, hey, maybe Derrick Henry will come here. And someone made a point of, well, all running backs suck. We could just get anybody. And then the Steelers fan made the point of, well, all of our running backs already (laughs) suck. So what's the difference? I'm like, that's the perfect point. I mean... Running back skill matters, even if people want to discount it as much as humanly possible. Situation's very important, too. I mean, I remember last year's draft, and I think one of you guys mentioned earlier in the show where it gets ugly at some point, and I don't see the landscape that much different this year. So these guys we're naming right now, I think you want to get them or else you're in danger of really getting stuck with not a good situation. We look at the running backs, and Mitch, you and I have talked about this countless times. It gets ugly after even the first, let's say, 12 to 15. The the running backs that are currently in the league, not looking at the incoming rookies, there are very few guys in a startup today. I look at my roster and they're on it, and I think, wow, yeah, I did a bang-up job there. I'm just not getting excited over these mid-tier running backs anymore. You know, the landscape is drastically going to change. A lot of pieces are going to be moving. I just, I might be jumping on board with you guys and I. I'm gearing more towards that early running back outlook in, in some of my leagues, even though I do look to trade back a lot. So if I do, I'm not getting them, but I'm still collecting those additional mid-tier picks. All right. Uh, Aaron Jones. Yes. Yes. Yes for me, Josh Jacobs. Yes. Yes. Yes for me, Derrick Henry. Yes. Wait, really quick, I want to mention something. Derrick Henry might touch the ball 475 times this year. So definitely a yes for me. Wow. It's, yeah. you, you don't even think about that. Wow, that is that number is kind of high. Just a right. little. Wait, we took that. We took that long hiatus of names here too. I want to make sure I'm not confused here. We're taking the the number one rookie pick over these guys: yes. Aaron Jones, Jacobs, Henry. I'm taking that back. That's a no for me. I'd rather the running backs. Oh wow! So you're taking Aaron Jones, Josh Jacobs, Derrick Henry all over the 101. Correct. I knew you liked running backs, but not that much. No, I don't want Aaron Jones. I want the 101. (laughs) I don't want Josh Jacobs. I want the 101. Derrick Henry. He's a beast, guys. I know he He is. is. Marcus Mariota's not there anymore. It's a lot of touches. Like, anytime someone touches the ball 450 times, that next offseason, I'm like... See, here's the here's the issue. And sorry, Mitch, I didn't mean to interrupt. I've, been, I've really been working on that. I'm trying not to do it as much. I, I've been somewhat successful. But if you're in a startup this offseason and you take Derrick Henry, it's another situation where it's going to be really difficult to get the return necessary eventually. So do you avoid him this year? I Yeah. Do you take I him? Do you ride him into the ground? This is something that I want to dive into a little bit more in the offseason when it hits is so Derek Henry is going to have more touches than any other running back in the league this year. And he's going to have less off time than almost every other running back as well, because they've played another month more than anybody else. So if they end up getting to that Super Bowl, that's going to make me want to back off even more. It might only be 50 more carries, but it's that much less time he's going to have to recover from all of those hits that he's taken. And the dude's an animal and I absolutely love him, but it scares me because he's bigger and stronger and faster than, oh no, faster, but bigger and stronger than everybody else. But at 450 carries, you just have to worry a little bit or touches. I should say, you know what? I'm going to, I have them as bolded on my spreadsheet here, but I'm switching Mitch. Finally, you convinced me to stray away from my original take here. 101 for me over Derrick Henry. So I'm taking 101 over Aaron Jones, Josh Jacobs, Derrick Henry. What about Leonard Fournette, guys? Yes. Yes. 
I will take the 101 as well. So it's kind of a mixed bag there. It sounds like we might have a few more running backs we're willing to take over the 101. Certainly Dan is on board. He's team running back over the pick. Then the general consensus, it seems like the popular thing right now, get out of those, get out from under those running backs once that rookie contract's about to expire. And it could be for a few reasons. So I'm not saying there's not justification for it, but whether it's your concern about a possible holdout, which we talked about previously on the show, or you're concerned about productivity going to a second contract or career touches or the inability to move a player at a certain price. So there are reasons, but give me the assets that have shown they can do it. And especially a Dalvin, Kamara, Chubb mix. And those are the guys that I want. So wide receiver here, guys. And let's run through this pretty quickly. Amari. No. Yes. Mike Evans. No. Yes. Chris Godwin. No. Yes. Juju. Yes. Yes. OBJ. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> DJ Moore. No. Yes. Kenny Galladay. Yes. Yep. This is going to be my anti-early wide receiver. And I know a lot of people, they like the roster construction and they like to load up on that the talented wide receivers and hit running back hard and often throughout the remainder of the draft. And that's one way to do it. I'm not saying that's wrong, but when I'm looking at the startups this offseason, early in 2020 offseason, I love those mid-tier wide receivers. I think it's deep at wide receiver. I'm okay straying away from these guys, whether it's I'm trading out of the pick or whether I'm going in different directions, quarterback, the early 2020 picks or running backs. I'm kind of avoiding. Now, again, I was able to land Amari Cooper at wide receiver 13, and I got Amari Cooper and Christian Kirk for the 101. That's a little bit of a different situation. It all depends on where the 101's going. But yeah, I'm on board there. I will take the 101 over those guys because I I think they are going to slip a little bit because some people, they see how deep wide receivers, so they're okay fading it to an extent. Two tight ends I have on here, George Kittle. No. Nope. I will also take George Kittle over the 101. Travis Kelsey. Yes. Nope. So Travis Kelsey, I'm taking the 101. Again, are you willing to have him die on your roster, Mitch? Yep, he's that good. <laughs> and the thing is, we play in a lot of tight end premium leagues. And so that does sway me a little bit because that's usually just how I look at these, just because that's the amount of leagues that I play in are mostly tight end premium. And with that, Kelsey's still the late first round pick. So he's going to go ahead of that 20, of that, you know, 101 in all of my leagues. All right, if it's not tight end premium, just typical PPR. Then probably the 101 at that point. Okay. Yeah, I agree with that. If there's any type of premium, load up on tight end, load up on them often. But if it's just typical PPR, I also am going the 101. So looking through that, we don't have to give an exact tally, but I think we fall in that range. We went through all these players and I tried to pick the guys that could be on the brink of that 101 throughout every position, quarterback through tight end. I think we fall in that late second to mid third range for all three of us. And I think that's pretty spot on. I think that's the value you need to be looking at. But again, situations change. Roster construction is very important. Quarterback runs in Superflex and two quarterback startups are very important to pay attention to. So that's going to be a very important role when looking at when you should be taking the 101 versus these players. Guys, because you demanded it, we're bringing back closing thoughts. I forgot about it last week. I don't want to get yelled at again this week. Dan. Closing thoughts for our listeners here. Early in January, the offseason, oh my God, it's here. Closing thoughts here. I like how you 
set me up with early January. That's the key words there. I definitely believe it's consumer information season. Uh, you know, right now it's a lot of projecting. Here we are doing dynasty drafts. You, you animals have been doing it already for weeks now where I've been yelling, guys, it's still the postseason. You're not listening. <laughs> but uh, I'm finally about to join you and, 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 you know, enter a startup draft. And I think for our listeners, you know, being that you are projected, you know, we have an NFL draft that still has to happen. Free agency still has to happen. Coaches coaching staffs are still being established you know listen to as many podcasts as you can troll twitter matt waldman amongst many other guys are great to listen to as, as we get ready for the nfl draft and there's an edge in dynasty to be had by drafting now and uh trying to you know consume a little more information than your competition so soak it in i love that and how often do we see and we saw it a ton last year, and we talked about it throughout the series and throughout the show. Dynasty values change tremendously, even when there's no games going on. And a lot a lot of it's perceived value, but we talked about Chris Godwin earlier tonight. If you drafted early in the offseason last year and you landed Chris Godwin, you got him in that late wide receiver two, early wide receiver three range, and now he's going wide receiver five. So if you were able to draft early in the offseason, you were prepared, you did your homework, you had your evaluations, you were making your projections, like Dan said, it really does pay off. So that's one reason that I absolutely love the early start. So Dan, that's a fantastic point. Mitch, closing thoughts for listeners closing thoughts just please go out there and pay your league dues your commissioners are out there they do <laughs> all of the dirty work throughout the season you guys just have to put in this you, know, you have to submit your lineups and do your trades but please go out there and pay your league dues it doesn't you know even if they're not due till march just go out and pay them now so the commissioner doesn't have to hunt you down and one last point on that when you're trying to fill an orphan you know you throw it out in a few leagues here and there and you try to get feelers to see if some people want if you don't want the orphan don't sit there and bag on it the whole time because like i've only i have three different leagues and i have one orphan and it doesn't have very good quarterbacks, but each time I post it in a league, I always get, oh, is it super flex? Because those quarterbacks are really bad. And it's always the people that make those comments. You could go look at their roster and you're like, dude, look at your own quarterbacks. You have no idea what you're doing. But that was a little bit of a long closing thought, but just go pay your dues. That'll be good. That might have been your most in-depth closing thought since we've been doing it. Typically, and Dan, Dan's been ripping on you for it. Uh, Mitch, any closing thought? Uh, no. Oh, but one thing real quick. <laughs> no, it, it, it takes two minutes, if even. If you're on League Safe, and then, you know, whether it's PayPal, Venmo. Mitch, you're not a tech-savvy guy, but you learned how to use Venmo very quickly. It's very easy. It is, yeah. It actually goes pretty quick. <laughs> so yeah, pay your league dues. You don't want to have situations where the funds are off or like you said, commissioners have to waste time. It takes a lot of time and energy and effort to run a league and run it well. You don't want to make it more difficult for your commissioner than you have to. So I love those closing thoughts, guys. I talked enough tonight. I'm not going to throw a closing thought out there. I'm going to spare the listeners just a few minutes of their lives here. Hopefully this episode provided you with some valuable information heading into your startup drafts, especially if they include rookie picks. And before the NFL draft, like I said, that's how it should be done. Thank you for tuning into the Superflexology Fantasy Football Show. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at Superflexology. And check out our newly created page on Facebook, the Superflexology Fantasy Football Show. Have a great night. Thank you for listening to the Superflexology podcast. If you want the latest news in fantasy football, follow us on Twitter at Superflexology, The Bauer Club, and Dino MC.